Welcome to Let's Talk Ed. I am Chris Ford, and as always, I am joined by Dr. Zahi Atala. Zahi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about yes, and who so, we're going to be talking with. Yes, we, we've had Lynn Neitzel on our last two episodes, and uh, our first episode, we talked about what makes a good teacher. Our last episode with Lynn, we talked about how do you take someone uh, from being a subject matter expert into making them a good teacher. And now uh, we're going to be talking about how to inspire people to learn and uh, a little bit about Lynn. And Lynn, if you want to fill in even a little bit more on this, but uh, you have been an elementary teacher and you've also worked at the college level and you have worked with people to help them be better teachers in the classroom. Yes, correct. I, I spent the first um, probably two thirds of my career in K-12 uh, in teaching world languages uh, at the elementary and the high school levels, mostly a little bit of a stint at middle school really wasn't my thing, but um, it's a good learning experience for me. Uh, after that, I, I came to the community technical college level um, as you know, working in curriculum and assessment instructional design uh, and working mostly with with faculty and academic leadership. So, Lynn, in our last episode, I, I told you how uh, about two weeks before the start of the fall term, I was asked to teach a class. My background is in broadcasting and now uh, marketing at the higher ed levels. So mm -hmm. you gave some really good advice uh, for me. You can find that in our last uh, episode about how to take my knowledge and, and be a teacher. But uh, we want to talk about how to inspire people to learn. So I've had the opportunity to speak to classes before, and I've seen a lot of vacant stares coming back at me as, as I speak. And, you know, my experience this past fall, there were days where, again, there were those sort of vacant stares. And for me, I'm wondering am I really inspiring my students? Are, are they taking anything in or are they just filling a seat uh, right now? So to start off, how how do I inspire students to learn? Wow, that's a really big question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question, right? Um, you know, I, I think... Uh, there's just a lot of things that you can talk about to this topic, and a lot of it is trial and error, right? Um, I, I truly believe, and you can look at all the research, and research does have a place in education for sure, uh, along with, you know, developing yourself, go to professional development opportunities, seek out your centers for teaching and learning. Um, but one of, one of the biggest things, I think, is thinking about how do I hook my students into this learning? And in my job at the community college level, I did a lot of um, online course reviews. Uh, we were uh, Quality Matters, give a shout out to Quality Matters, our online learning consortium, you know, for their online design learning standards. And I'll never forget, you know, and usually I would take a couple of units or modules or weeks, however the course was divided up in, and just, you know, and just look for the, the standard things, you know, do, do they have the announcements there to student-friendly language? Are their learning outcomes transparent for the students so that the students understand, you know, what they're going to be learning, why it's important, and what they're going to get out of this lesson at the end of the day? Um, you know, the graphics were in the right place, that they had all text on them, you know, all of those things. But I remember reviewing a human anatomy class, which, not a science person, 
Um, and I went, I remember reading every single week because it was so intriguing to me. And what this instructor did is at the opening, at the beginning of each week's learning, she would connect it to, to something that everybody understood or that physically happened to them in their body or that they would know about in the real world, you know, and it was things like, do you ever wonder why when you eat something really cold, really fast, you get a brain freeze? Like, yes, I've had that before, right? I have experienced that before. Why does that happen? Well, that was the introduction to the endocrine system in the body and how that works and how your nerves are kind of, you know, not going to try and talk human anatomy here because it's not my subject area, but, you know, it was just fascinating it wasn't long it wasn't something that she had to research but she every single week as I explained before she connected that learning to something that her students understood and already knew about and I think that's a key concept and you can look at the researchers and the experts when it comes to learning design and I always go back to Madeline Hunter you know bless her heart she was she set out lesson design and learning plan design. And there's something to that, that, that anticipatory set or that hook. You know, how do I hook my students into the learning? And that's where a little bit of the art of teaching comes in, I believe. And it may be, if you're a subject matter expert coming out of industry, it may be a story, right? People love to listen to stories and connect stories. Like this happened in the industry and, or you may have heard about this worldwide phenomenon that happened or unfortunately, you know, worldwide disaster that happened. And this is why, and this is how the industry that you're going into plays a key role because they were there, you know, giving those real life experiences and also asking, you know, and then part two of that is asking your students to continuously connect with the learning. Um, I used to teach intro to teaching foundations courses at, at a local four-year university as well as the, the community college. And I always started off um, the learning. It was a polysynchronous class. So I had students that were online, but I also had them in class. I always started out with a discussion board and it was nothing they had to research or look up, but I wanted to ask them questions about their own learning experience in school. It also let the online learners have a discussion board that was started that they could answer to right away. Um, so, you know, and it allowed my in-class students to just write a little bit. Wasn't correcting their grammar, wasn't correcting their experience, but, you know, I'd ask them questions like, how did you feel when you had to take state tests? Were you ready? Did you come to school prepared? Did your, did your parents help you at home, maybe get a good night's sleep and have a really nutritious breakfast? How do you feel about test taking? Right. You know, how do you feel about field trips and experiences that got you outside of the school when it came to your learning? It was really fascinating to hear what their experience was in school um, and help them connect to becoming better teachers themselves. Well, and I think so I, let, let me hop in here, Zahi, and then I'll, I'll bring you back in if you don't mind. So, you know, I, I think listening to this, one of the, the traps that's really easy to fall into uh, when you're you're thinking about what you're teaching is, okay, this thing is very important. Mm -hmm. It's important to me, so it should be important to you. But that in and of itself does not mean engagement. Right, right. No, exactly. And, you know, that's where, you know, in teaching, just like in every profession, there's a lot of planning that happens beforehand, right? It's a lot of planning and replanning and revising and thinking about it. 
And, you know, in our last episode, we talked, you know, briefly about backward design and understanding by design. And there's a really great image. Um, they call it the understanding by design or backward design egg. I like to call it the avocado. I think that's a little more hip and trendy. But, you know, the pit, the pit of the avocado is that's where the source is, right? That's where you grow the new avocado tree. That's where you're growing. So if you think about that pit part as what students must know, they need to know. And then the flesh around it, which is bigger, are the things that are nice to know, right? It's nice to eat this avocado. It's nice to spread it on my toast. Uh, you know, it's, do I have to eat the whole thing? Not necessarily. But it, what's really important, what they need to know, and then figuring out what's nice to know. And, and if you put your learning design in those two categories, making sure that what they need to know and nice to know, a lot of times that's where some aha moments come for instructors like, oh, yeah, I suppose this is this is something that I like to do on the job. So I feel like my students need to learn this where it's not necessarily a, an entry level employment skill or something that every um, physical therapist assistant will do or every account, you know, accounting assistant um, in an accounting firm will have to, to partake in. Uh, Chris asked the question I was going to ask more eloquently than I could uh, do, but I wanted uh, to probe you on a couple of things. And, and I wanted to say that that we will be revisiting with you at some point uh, active and experiential learnings, because mm -hmm. those are excellent ways of, of bringing people in that we forget about. But my question is, how... And I, I have my own answer in my head. I think I'm hoping that it's it aligns with yours and Chris. But how do you feel about the individuals who want their students to succeed from the first time at doing something, forgetting that school is the place where you learn, you make mistakes, and those are the ways you grow and learn from? Um, what's your hint to them? Right. So I think what you're at, what you're asking me to talk about is how do you um, how do you take an antiquated grading system, which they're held to. Right. And you import performance based learning <laughs> into it or competency yes. based. Learning. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> while weaving in while weaving in, you know, when when you're teaching them uh, to to uh, intubate a person, uh, at the school, this is not an intubation of a person. This is a mannequin. And yeah. why can't you do it 1,500 times until you get it? Or when you're putting uh, together two pipes, it's not a bridge people are driving on. It's not a nuclear plant. It's something that they're learning uh, right. on. Right. Yeah, that's that's a really that's a really hard topic, right? That's right now. There's, there's some really great new research and some new... Um, what I want to say, some new uh, activity around something called ungrading. And that title actually is a misnomer because it doesn't mean that you're not grading student work. <laughs> it's just really looking at the difference between formative and summative assessment activities and not penalizing your students for practice. Right. So I, I asked, I, I can vividly remember I had like some pretty, pretty, uh, spicy instructors, I like to call them because they had a lot of opinions from manufacturing and health science and business and they had everybody in there. And I asked them the question, how many of you passed your driver's test on the first try? 
And about 75, 80, 80% of them raise their hand. I'm like, that's great. You get to drive on any road that you want to on the interstate. You can drive on the highways. You can drive on the back roads. Those of you that didn't, you're not allowed to drive on the interstates. You have to always take the back roads. I was like, well, why, you know, why would that be? I said, why do you tell your students that they can retake a test, but they're only going to get 80%? If they retake a, an exam or a performance assessment and they get 100%, why do they only get 80% as a grade? They got it. It was really fascinating to hear them try to justify why. And really what it came down to is they were penalizing them for practice. You know, whether they, well, they don't do their homework. I said, okay, so you're penalizing them. And I, you know, it's just, it got a little contentious, but, you know, afterwards, I'm like, that was a great conversation, Lynn. We need to talk about that more. So, you know, my purpose was met, even though I was a little nervous about it. Um, but, you know, it's it's thinking about how much do they need and giving them the opportunity to learn and giving them the opportunity to fail, but also feel like they can succeed on the other end. Right. I, I always ask the question, if you're if you give your final, if you if you truly have a cumulative performance assessment at the end of a semester or an exam, like it's truly cumulative of everything that you've learned and everything is connected. And you give that on day one and you have a student that gets an A, do they need to come to your class? That always that's always a great question to ask instructors. Um you know, about that. And you, you get a lot of different, differing opinions about that. So I don't know if I went off on a rabbit hole. No, no, way, it's, but... it's, it inspires students, right? If, if they learn from mistakes and they see that uh, learning is scaffolded and it's not a one-time deal, they get inspired because if it's a one-time deal, if they fail, then they haven't learned, then they shouldn't be here and, you know. Right. right. Escalate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know, and it's it's part of it too. Is we have what you we used to call them core abilities, employability skills. You know, it's putting putting students in a place where you know you want to make sure that you're teaching that as well and incorporating those. And that's where you help the students to manage their time and you know become professionals. You know, really thinking about how you're grading that, and also looking back and self reflecting. You know, if you're not turning your grades in on time, why are you expecting your students to do their work on time, right? It's really about modeling what you expect as well from your students. Well, and this is obviously another topic that we could talk uh, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks upon. Right? Uh, it's, a, it's a great topic. And I know we will have you back to talk uh, more about this, but I want to thank you for joining us uh, on this episode of Let's Talk Ed and also our previous episodes where we, we've talked as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And Zahi, any parting shots from you? Inspiring students is about working with them. And according to what Lynn told us uh, off the air is developing self-agency. Self-agency. Yes. Yes, we did talk about that. And, you know, really, that's a big term for just letting them build a relationship with the with their own learning, letting them make the connections, but you're helping them guide the path, guide them on that path. All right. Well, if you enjoy uh, Let's Talk Ed, be sure and subscribe to our channel here. Ring the bell down below so you get notifications when we post new content. And uh, 
You can find us not just on YouTube, but also your favorite podcasting platforms as well. For Lynn Neitzel and Dr. Zahi Atala, I'm Chris Ford, and we'll see you next time on Let's Talk Ed.